This week on Talk About Gay Sex, I have two separate conversations with men that are pushing the boundaries of male sexuality. One is creating art that stimulates and provokes the conversation of open relationships, while the other is on a quest to help us find and explore our fetish through fireplay. I'm Steve Rodriguez, and both of my guests are pioneers in breaking down the walls society creates for us while continuing the conversation of self-exploration. Both of these interviews can also be seen on our YouTube channel. Type in Talk About Gay Sex Podcast where you can see the video version of these stimulating conversations with these very hot gents. My first guest is the writer and director of a current off-Broadway play, Afterglow. If you listened to last week's podcast, you'll remember my special guests, George and Scott, along with my co-host, Steve Carpenter, chatted about the play, and we continued the conversation about their open relationship and how they can differ, evolve, and sometimes create jealousy within a relationship. Let's listen to Asher Gelman as he talks about his stimulating play, Afterglow. I'm Steve Rodriguez here at the Davenport Theater with... Writer, uh, director of the current off-Broadway play, Afterglow, Asher Gelman, or S. Asher Gelman? Uh, either is fine. <laughs> oh, okay, good, yeah. Um, first of all, congratulations on the play. I saw it. I really um, it provoked so much in my mind and my friends. Uh, but you've been extended, yes? Yes. Uh, we've been extended until September 16th. So uh, if you haven't had the chance to see it yet, um, you should come see it. Because now there's more time. Is this your second um, extension? Did I read that? This is the second extension, yes. That's great. Yes. That, that has to be, I mean, it's your first play. It's my first play. You have to be, like, stoked about that. Um, it's kind of been a, a dream project. The whole experience, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm working with such spectacular collaborators on this. Um, from Everyone from the designers to, to, to their assistants to, of course, the actors and just everybody involved. It's, it's just been a dream project, and I couldn't be more proud of it. Nice, nice. And um, the play, and so our audience knows a little bit, is um, about three guys. Two of them um, are a married couple having planning to have a surrogacy with a baby, and they open the we're, the steamy scene that we are sitting right in right now. We're on yes. stage. Is uh, a threesome, a very hot threesome, and they bring in a third character, Darius. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. And that's when the, the drama ensues and everything begins. Um, where, um, first of all, the play's been extended, and I, now it's a one-act play? Uh, so we had the rare opportunity. Usually um, you open a play, right. and the play is locked and it's frozen, and that's the way it's going to be forever. Right. Um, and we kind of asked ourselves, like, why does that have to be the case. You know, I get, like, when you see a movie, um, I see it now, and I see it in three years, and it's still the same movie. Right. But theater is live. I mean, it's being, it's, it's performed live, so why can't we, like, make tweaks and, and, and fix it? And actually, we had a, this wonderful process where everybody sort of came, came together and said, hey, like, after we've been sitting in this show for, um, you know, a month and a half, like, we kind of feel like we would like to play around with it some more. And of course, that's every director and writer's dream to be able to say, "Hey, yeah, like let's sure let's go back into rehearsal and and tweak things and fix things and make things stronger." So uh, we took a two-act play with an intermission and uh, cut it down to eighty-five minutes, uh, no intermission, to give a seamless experience of the whole story. Wow. And it's just been 
it was amazing to go back into rehearsal um, and just, you know, get the whole team back together again and build basically um, almost a new show. Wow. I mean, again, it has to your first play. You've been extended, and you get to. You've mentioned a few times off camera too the collaborative experience, how important that is. Mm-hmm. That's just gonna be like, like I said, to play around with different endings. And in this case, because it deals with, um, I don't know if you ever say it in the show, but um, on my podcast we talked about open relationships, and we used it at least in our show. Um, and it sparked a whole lot of conversation. But because, as I'm sure you know, open relationships can mean so many different things, um, was that part of the, the area that you got to play with without giving too much away? Um, I will say that um, with the, the old version of the show, uh, there was, I think, a lot of confusion as far as what the show's stance was on non-monogamous relationships. Um, and I, you know, a lot, listen, this show, regardless, you take away from it what you bring into it. You know, your personal history is going to be so much related to your experience of it. Uh, and I think a lot of people took, took away that there was, this was a cautionary tale sort of against non-monogamous relationships. And, um, and so that was something that we wanted to lean into a little bit more as far as um, specifying the, the message of the show that, that that it wasn't a judgment on on one way is or right, or right. exactly um, and that it's more about communication and oh, I like sort that. of and what happens if and when communication breaks down right and all the things that ensue all, yeah exactly. I mean you took on for your first play uh, at least for the gay community a big topic because in my conversation that I had on the show my um, podcast we talked about you know, open relationships in the gay community can go in so many different directions. We had a couple on the show, and theirs is sort of a don't ask, don't tell type of thing. In the show, it's clear at the beginning that they're bringing somebody in, and they play together with somebody. Others have, you know, no kissing. I mean, it's on and on and on of the rules. And um, I'm just curious, was any of this inspired by your own? I understand you're married, or was this... yes. Did it, um, and was it hard to come up with one viewpoint on the open relationship? Um, well, I think when it comes to, when it comes to non-monogamy, uh, the rules that you set are just the fights you're going to get in later. Um, my husband and I have been together for eight and a half years, and we have been in an open relationship for the past three and a half. Um, and, I mean, the truth is that this play is inspired by... Uh, real life events. Uh, obviously, I've taken a lot of liberties with, with what happened. Um, but ultimately, the, the, the message, I think, behind this play, or, or at least the takeaway, is that I want people to have the difficult conversation, whatever that is. And I know that this, you know, this, this idea of monogamy versus non-monogamy and the various permutations of what that can look like is a very relevant topic now. Uh, Not just for the gay community, but it's also starting to seep into the straight community. Um, And at least in my opinion, and again, this is just me, I think it it doesn't really matter what type of relationship you're in as long as you can be honest, uh, as long as you can be uh, sort of forthright with your partner as far as where you guys stand. So if you have a don't ask, don't tell policy, 
or if you tell each other everything, you know, that's that's fine, just as long as it as long as you're both on the same page. Right, right. And I think it's brilliant too as your play continues to evolve, so do relationships, right? When you agree, I mean, maybe sometime it's a don't ask, don't tell, but then a couple could change. I mean, it doesn't. I was telling my audience that you know, you know, rules. If you want to use rules, mm -hmm. can change, and that's the beauty of it. So. Well, I think a lot of people see sort of non-monogamous relationships as some sort of slippery slope. Like you, you do this, and then that will lead to this, and then that will lead to this, and that will lead to this, and. You can always change. You can always pull back. Um, I mean, just because my husband and I are open right now doesn't doesn't mean they were always going to be open. Right. Uh, currently, this is what's working for us, but um, in the future, it might not, and that's a conversation that we're going to have if right. that if that changes. One of the characters, uh, Josh, is a playwright. Is is any of He's his a director? Director. Okay, director. Which you are as well. I am. Also, yes. <laughs> any of his character. Um, the closest, if you had to say, because we were playing that game. Out of the three, what were you? Who did you relate to the most? And I related so much to the Darius characters, particularly a lot of his speeches when he talked about how hard it is to find somebody. And and nowadays with the apps, it's you know, there's always somebody better lurking around the corner and whatever. So I'm just curious, um, is would Josh be the one that you? I mean, Josh is based on me. Okay, okay, good. good. I mean, <laughs> nice. Josh is based on me, Alex is based on my husband, and Darius is loosely based on the person uh, who inspired him. Very loosely. Got it, okay. Yes. Very cool, very cool. So we have to definitely talk, we're, we're sitting um, where the steamy, where a lot of the action happens. Um, you have a, first of all, if the sets are amazing. Um, well, for that, I have to thank Ann Byersdorfer, who just, like, she just designed this incredible set that basically we have these, like, seven or eight elements that are constantly moving around the stage and transforming into various rooms and situations. Um, and it's, she just did such a beautiful job of, of telling the story in an interesting way. Yeah, and they're like Lego pieces, too. They yeah, kind of like form, and your cast, um, the beauty of it is the cast kind of reform a table into a bed, into, you know, into other a rooftop. Rooftop and, and a couch, and um, which is really great. Um, I, I understand you're a choreographer and you yes. studied dance, and there's a lot of like, you know, the little bit of choreography. Was that fun to kind of build that into the show? Even though it's not dance, but... I mean, absolutely. Like for me, I, I've always had sort of one foot in dance and one foot in theater, and I'm constantly sort of shifting the weight, but never lifting one off. Right. Uh, so for me, ultimately, I asked myself when building this piece, why theater? As in, like, why am I using theater as the medium to tell this story? Because the language is very cinematic. It's very much the way that real people talk. It's not right. stylized, it's, it's not... No, it's you know, current, it's, it's, it's Yes, yeah, it's, it's very frank and right. honest and to the point. Uh, and so it was really interesting to me to be able to particularly use those transitions between scenes. Not only just to have the actors, you know, like, pick stuff up and move it, but actually to be able to tell story in those moments that, you know, that I was able to tell twice the amount of story um, that I could just with text, based on just moments of movement and just visual images. Um, so for that, like yes, I, I, I dug into my dance background to, um, to tell story without words. 
Yeah, and there's some great parts that are interpretive that um, reminded me a little bit of silent film, where you get what the transition is between the two characters, or the three characters, and I thought that was a nice pace that kept the show flowing. Well, I think audiences are smarter than we give them credit for a lot of the time, and I think they can pick up on things um, without having it being so much explained to them. So, you know, especially in this, in the new version of the show, I mean, in the old version we were doing this as well, uh, but we're really trying to show a lot more than we're telling. Right. You know, so if you pay attention, um, you'll, you'll capture these moments. And I, I love to, to sort of give that as a gift to, to audience members who are like, who really, really like to tune in and like, oh, hey, there's, there's, there's that thing that I, I saw on stage and I didn't, nobody said anything about it, but I get it. Right, right, right. I have to talk about the actors, the three actors that you cast. Um, first of all, they're great, but secondly... Spectacular. They are... Um, we get to see them naked on stage, and they all we look great. Um, how hard was that to cast? Because not only did they have to portray these characters you wrote, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they had to look good, since they're... And they want to look good, too. So was it dicey to... I mean, listen, like... I get a lot of questions about like the casting process and like did we have to see them naked or whatnot? Not, n- none of that. Uh, it was it was very uh, no. But you want them to like look decent, not not forget about the bottom half, but just the <laughs> no, no, no. Um, there we, we we kept everything very professional. Um, ultimately, while it is great that we have such attractive cast uh, cast members, that was never the goal. Right. Um, we really did want to find the people who really could best live in these roles, and um, and you know Patrick, Brandon, and Robbie really just brought it at the audition process, um, and I couldn't have been more thrilled to be working with the three of them. They're, nice. they're just such talents, um, and I think in, in a lot. Casting was, was difficult in general because a lot of people were very afraid of this piece because, right. it, because it, it's raw, because it requires a lot of nudity. Uh, it's, it's a very intimate piece, and I think um, people are afraid of that. Right, right. Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. We live in this culture where, on the one hand, we use sex to sell literally everything. Uh, but on the other hand, we're, we're supposed, so afraid to be, of it. <laughs> we're so, supposed to be very embarrassed by it and right. afraid of it. And... You know, that was something that kept coming up during the process. Of like, like, well, if there's nudity in it, it's going to be hard to find actors to, to do it. And, and I felt like when it comes to having such a candid and honest conversation about sex and sexuality, to also simultaneously shy away from nudity because we're embarrassed by it, it felt completely disingenuous to the piece. Right. Um, and, you know, this ultimately is, or I'd like it to be, considered a very sex-positive show. Absolutely, yeah. And I just think, um, you know, because they're so intimate, um, the nudity almost, as a, at least for me, became secondary. And it was really, they need to, it's good to hear that they're all, they get along and they, you know, work so well together because it's a very intimate piece. Mm-hmm. Um, they're literally intertwined and tangled and then they're mentally. And so I would imagine that that, that whole chemistry between the three of them had to really be... You know. There's a lot of trust. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of trust that was built very quickly in the rehearsal process. Um, you know, ultimately, like you also have to you have to maintain your professionality. You right. know, I mean, and 
create a create a you know I hate to use the word safe space, but right. but that's what yeah, we did. You know, is, like yeah. we, we created a safe space where everybody felt like they were supported and and that this really was for the the art of it all. Right. Um, you know, again, like nudity can very easily go into this realm of gratuitous, sure. and, you know, for for the purposes of titillation only. Um, if I want to see a naked guy, I don't have to write a play about it. No, you know, like, <laughs> right, like, right, yeah. like uh, there are other ways I can do that. Easily. So this is, this is not just for you know, me, like you know, getting my rocks off, so to speak. Uh, like this, I felt was a story that needed to be told um, at a time where when it's relevant, uh, yeah. and it, it feels like it's so. I, I know so many people who are who have dated couples or who are in open relationships or having this conversation, and so I felt like, yeah, like let's 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 lean into that. Let's go and. And make it difficult, and make it hard for people. To, you know, it's the nudity is jarring for a lot of the audience members at first. You know, um, and for the first few minutes, you can tell that that there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say discomfort, but an unfamiliarity. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but it makes. I think it works with it. It's hot. And you get over it's, it. Because, yeah, you get over again, it again because the actors are not like breaking out on stage. Like right. they seem the to- like totally comfortable in their skin and. We as the audience see them being totally comfortable in their skin. Well, ultimately, you wrote a piece that is really generating a lot of conversation. Like I said, my friend and I went, and uh, you know, our whole dinner, we were you know talking about it, and uh, two other friends went, and they were, and I could see people in the audience as well. Um, so you've def- definitely caught on to something that's like fresh, relevant now that is making people think about this stuff. So congrats on that. Thank you. I mean, ultimately, that that was the goal. I think. For me, I always want to create theatrical experiences that stay with you. You know, a lot of time you go to theater and you have a lovely two hours, and then you and then you leave, and it kind of doesn't doesn't sit with you or affect you. For me, like the the, the magic of Afterglow is that you know once the lights come up and you leave the theater, that's not the end of the experience. That's the right. beginning because then you take it. You take it home and you sit with it, or you have a conversation with a friend, or a lover, or a husband, or a wife, or whatever. And and that to me, that's like that's the the power. The life of, of it, it continues, yeah. yeah, which is what art does. So absolutely. Well, the play is called Afterglow. It's currently here at the the loft at, at the loft at the Davenport at the Davenport now till September sixteenth sixteenth. And you guys are uh, Monday through Monday through Saturday. Um, we also have a matinee on Saturday. We're off, we're dark on Sundays, so you can see other shows then. Exactly, exactly. Well, congratulations! <laughs> I need so to come much. and see the new version of it. Absolutely, I can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you. For my next conversation, I sat down with Master Joshua from episode 18 to dig a little deeper into his work with Fireplay. I've been fortunate to try Fireplay twice now, and I can honestly say that the effect afterward goes way beyond any sexual release. It's cathartic, emotional, physical, and hot. Let's listen to my chat with Master Joshua and be sure and watch this interview as well as a special Fireplay demo that we shot on our YouTube page. And I'm really excited um, to be with Master Joshua from episode, I want to say episode 21, and it's bad that I don't... I think it was 18. 18 or maybe 18. Uh, We'll get that straight. Um... You had one of the our top like episodes. People really wanted to know about fetish, and I know we really got into it on that episode. Um, 
which is great. And then you were on a live broadcast. Um, but on this one, I wanted to get a little dig a little bit deeper about what you work with, which is Fireplay. First of all, um, explain really quickly and how you got into Fireplay. Uh, Fireplay, I came across a fire top by the name of Shermie here in New York City. And I bought them to him years and years ago, and it was an amazing experience, just the sensation of it. Right. And when you say top and bottom, it's interesting to use those terms because, like in the gay community, we use those for strictly one reason or another. So, <laughs> right. But I imagine you say um, dominant and submissive is um, comparable to top and bottom when you're referring to these things, or? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, top and bottom in the BDSM or kink community uh, lifestyle, it's more about administer and the recipient of. So okay. the top would be the person using the instruments or impact or fire or what the one giving the stimulation. And the bottom would be the one receiving it. Got it. So somebody gave it to you one time and... And I was hooked. <laughs> yeah, which was my reaction too. And we have another video coming out, which I explain more intense on my experience, which you need to watch. It'll be on our YouTube channel. Um, what was the process for you... Um, you know, I mean, obviously you don't go to classes for this, or did you, or did this, um, you know, what I love about the BDSM world in, in general is that um, there are no classes per se, but you can really learn under somebody else, right? Well, yes and no, yes and no. What, the, way, the way we try to handle it is we want to host classes for people that want to learn. Because uh, as I've mentioned before, the internet is our reference point. And that's where we learn a lot of our stuff. And we don't, there's no way to regulate it, no way to validate or verify these people that are teaching. You know, you, you can look up YouTube comments, but how far is that going to go when you hurt someone? Right. So we, we try to find the best out there. And uh, we'll offer classes that will allow them to come in and teach the people that are looking for that specific uh, tool for their box, like fireplay or flogging or over-the-knee spanking. So we try to find people that specialize in those specific uh, types of play to offer it to people that want to learn it safely and, and correctly. When it comes to fire play, um, what are some of the things that you typically do this on a massage table, so the person's wearing little to no clothing, particularly not just because you want to get them naked, but, <laughs> but because you don't want to burn their clothes or, or so forth. And um, explain sort of the process of what's going on when the fire's hitting the skin and why isn't it not burning us um, like you know a burn victim would have or some, something like that. Well, the most important thing when it comes to fire play is safety. Uh, so I have it set up in a way that I can, that's the most safe as possible. But we are handling flammable liquid right. and, and an open flame and a human body. So safety has to be there. Safety is paramount. Uh, the practice is, it's sort of like a fondue stick with what, it's easiest described as a fireproof tampon. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen them, right. And right. it looks like it. Yeah. But you soak it in uh, alcohol, rubbing alcohol, either 50 or 70%. They have a 91% out there, but that burns too hot. Right. And I wouldn't recommend putting that onto the skin. Believe me, it was hot enough, so <laughs> I was good with what you used. So you soak the fire wand, which, I, which we call them, in this alcohol. And you have 
your fuel, which is the alcohol. You have your flame, which is the candle. Um, and then you have the feet. I keep the head on the far left, opposite away from the flames, so that if there's an accident or something happens, God forbid, the jar get knocked over, big flames go on, the person can boogie out without getting burnt. Oh, right. Um, so I soak it in, I'll light it up, and the flame, it wouldn't be too big of a flame. I, you'll see it on camera on the video that, uh, that's gonna be with this right. interview. Um, and it seems like a big flame, but again, it is rubbing alcohol and it is on fire. And uh, handling it safely is very important. You'll see I'll cup to make sure that there's no drops of uh, lit alcohol falling off the wand. And it's far and few between that it happens. It's not like I'm running around with alcohol flying all over the place. <laughs> right. um, and I'll glaze it over the skin where it'll leave a trace of rubbing alcohol and the lighting and the uh, rubbing alcohol will ignite off the flame on the wand. My hand comes right behind it, extinguishing it. Sometimes I'll move it around the body so that the flame is still lit, but it's traveling around the body and it's not set in one place. Because that's where it starts to burn is when the alcohol is not moving. Interesting. So in essence, so when we're feeling it as the, the, the bottom um, on different parts of our skin, are, is your hand feeling some of the intensity that, say, the bottom is feeling? Oh, absolutely. That's oh. how I gauge the heat. Is I, It's, it's going to burn me before it's going to burn the other person. All the time. All the time. Um, and I'm not trying to increase intensity for this play because fire burns and it burns quickly. Right. So... As you watch in the first few minutes of the video, you'll see how, and it's not a puddle of alcohol I'm moving around. It's a very light trace of alcohol that burned, it burns itself out if I don't keep it moving around the body. Right. Um, it's kind of a pretty art form too, because when, when I was editing the video for it, I can see, you know, you, there's a nice flow that you don't get to see when you're bottoming and you're face down. <laughs> um, there's a nice flow that you have that you know, and it, and it seems, I, don't, I would imagine, that you're sort of flowing and, and choosing different parts of the body to kind of work up and down. Is that the, the true? Or? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So when I put the trace of alcohol down, the alcohol is sitting on top of the skin. And as heat rises, the flame is shooting up, the heat's rising up. Now, if you look closely on the flame, you're going to see there's what would seem like space between the flame and the alcohol. And it's like, how is that not burning the person? It, it's hot. Don't get, don't get me wrong. It's hot, but oh, it's hot. most yeah. of the heat is traveling up. So by the time the body, the skin starts to feel it, I'm already coming and extinguishing. Wow, okay. So the flame is there, and it is burning on the skin, but it's not burning long enough, and it's not the, the, uh, the flashpoint or the, the burning temperature isn't high enough to where it's going to burn either of us severely. Now, I know I, have, I had my experience on what it does to me and the anticipation I've talked about, where you never know where that flame is going to go, and, and ultimately the release that I think my shoulders, at the end of the experience, one time I experienced um, incredible release off my shoulders from a physical standpoint, another time it was a more emotional standpoint, but you as the top and why you got into this, what are some of the things that you would like to tell people that the, f the fire play is actually doing to them and why would somebody want to explore this and experience it? Well, it's hard for me to say what the bottom is going to experience. Uh, when I've experienced it, which surprisingly, I've probably only bottomed to fire four or five times. 
Right. And, but there should be some experience, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and when I've bottomed, it's, it's like a warm massage. It's uh, an energy exchange with the top. Uh, I can feel release. I can feel comfort letting yourself go to where you're in the moment and feeling, looking forward to feeling the contact with the flame or the skin. Yeah. And, and going through that in the moment from beginning to end. Uh, every bottom will experience things differently. Right. And actually, just as I was listening to you, I had sort of um, a thought where uh, when you do things like, say, if anyone's ever done like a hot stone treatment, for example, when you go to like massage parlors and they have that, it's just the usage of the hot stones alone releases so much tension in a different way than just the hands can and the heat that generates. Fire play uses a lot of that, but in a more intense way. However, it does flow into that more fetish world and the sexuality of it. And I think maybe that's where the intensity comes into play is that you're you're tapping a little bit deeper than say like the stones would, which is more therapeutic and you know, you're in a spa or whatever. Here you're you're really working a little bit more with fetish. And that's maybe when, you know, because in between some of the 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 fire, he puts the flame out for a second and then he's grabbing you and sometimes it's a caressing massage, and then other times it's an actual um, gripping you and, and more aggressive. And, and so that probably brings in more of the fetish element to it. Yeah, absolutely. What, what I've experienced over years of, of being in the lifestyle in the community is when I watch other scenes, the tops are usually performing as opposed to engaging with the bottom. Right. Like you'll have your rope tops that they want to do this beautiful design, but their intent behind it is to put this person up on display for everyone. When I engage with them, with bottoms, with different people, I want to experience that at that moment with that person. And it's not about watch me, watch how much fire I can put around the person. It's watch how we can connect and this person can ease up and my touching of the body will manipulate, will pull out parts of, of, of us that lie dormant, very, very primal, very sexual. Right and uh, very natural right. to where you get that dump, that release of, I just laid there and this person touched me in a way that I haven't been touched in a very long time or ever, to where there is passion, there is an intimacy, uh, which more so is deeper than sexual I was just going to say, because I think we said it on the show that you were on, there's certainly the sexual element that you can, you can have sex with people and it's sort of done, it could be done really quickly in five minutes. This has a lot of layers of that, but it's that dormant, that I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that dormant feeling that can exist in a lot of us that is primal, is sexual, but isn't necessarily you know, the goal isn't necessarily to reach an orgasm, but it's all these other feelings that you might have that are emotional, that are vulnerable, that can come up. And it's sort of this dance between the, the top and the bottom. Absolutely. And that was the point we were trying to make on that last episode, is that it's not just the bottom that's necessarily experiencing. It's, it's both of us, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when I had mine, I think that first time, I think it was pretty intense. You were telling me even for you that very first time that we experienced it, which was in- interesting for me. That was the first time I've ever had someone sit up and release and cry like that. I, I felt, I mean, I, it, it filled me up with joy. Right. Being able to pull this out, this, this moment of, 
of nothingness where you're just, your mind is blank and you're in the moment, right here, right now, and you sit up and you're in a daze and you looked at me and you, we hugged and you looked at me again and then you started to cry and then we hugged some more and it's, again, it's the intimate connection that, right, right. that, that pulls it out. That's why I do it. I do yeah. it because I enjoy bringing people to, to these parts of, uh, as you watch in the video, you'll see there's different parts of sensual touch then it will get to roughhousing, and you'll see different ways that I grab the skin. And I do it, I lead off of things I would enjoy for myself, things right. that I would want to experience. And I'll use that as my baseline for how I'm going to engage with the person on the table. Now, if they're reactive one way or the other, that is how I'll branch out. So if you're in an, at an event one evening and you're watching me do these scenes, and you'll see there's a lot of similarities between them. But the way I engage and the way the, the feedback I'm getting from the bottom is very different between each one. And it allows me to steer those scenes around the chemistry and the energy that we're building together. And at the end of it isn't orgasm. It's not sexual penetration. Yeah. It's, it's that release. It's he grabs me the way I, I've needed to be grabbed. Right. Or he touches me softly the way I've needed to be touched. Or even ways that you didn't know you needed, but that I think, you know, I think what's great is that you learn a lot of things in different things that we try. You learn more about yourself and you realize you're just sometimes scratching the surface of your own self. And that's what's the beauty of it. But what's the, um, I think one of the other beautiful things is that you in particular is you really like to check in on that person after an experience like that. And how important is that for you to kind of, you know, hone back in with them and say, how are you doing? Not just minutes afterwards, but I mean, you'll, I got, you know, a text from you. How important is that for you in particular? Well, when I did, I engage with people on different levels. You and I, we met through the uh, podcast. Right. And I've been on the show a number of times now. Yeah. And we, we're, we chat, like, you're a cool dude. Like, I like <laughs> him. He's really, really we nice. We really do like Off camera. Like <laughs> but uh, so that connection is different than people that I'll engage with at events. Sure. where they're coming just to experience, not, I don't want to say just to experience it, because we do get mutual gratification from most of the scenes we do. But my post-event or post-scene checkups that do stretch beyond the evening, uh, those are reserved for people that I keep close to me or I consider friends. Uh, because I can't engage that way with everyone I come across all the time. Sure. Uh, oftentimes, it's an arrangement that we have when we meet at the events. You're going to come onto the table to experience the fire play that I do, and that's our, our arrangement. That's our agreement. Right. And when it's done, you've experienced it. You can contact me at any time, and if we come across each other, I'll Just certainly that alone, check up. Just being on available you. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and sorry, it's it's important to me. Just in case something was triggered with the other person or if they have questions about it, if they want more education on it. So my door is always open for communication. I enjoy feedback. I enjoy two-way communication. Uh, it's important for me on many levels. Nice, nice. And I, I want to list where we can find you in a second. But for those people out there that are watching this that, you know, are curious about Fireplay, I mean, where would you direct them maybe to kind of... or? You know, is there a site, like, I know you've mentioned FetLife before. Is that an international, national site that people could go on to find people that do Fireplay, or...? Well, there's, there's two websites now that are out. There's uh, FetLife.com, which is pretty prominent across the globe at the moment. Uh, and on that website, I can be found under Master Joshua NYC. 
uh, there's a new website coming out called kinky.community, which I think is magnificent. Now it's just, it's in this growing process and uh, it would be a great, it's going to be a great resource for many people out there that are looking for information. Uh, or I can be emailed at uh, master.joshua78 at gmail.com. What I would suggest is contacting me, letting me know where you're located and I'll see if there's resources out that way that can help facilitate learning Fireplay or at least being able to engage in it on, on a safe level. Cool. Well, I love it. Uh, I know, uh, Master Joshua, you have another party coming up, Corrosion, which is parties here in New York City. That's coming up August 19th. 19th. So reach out to him if you want more information on that. Um, thank you for being on the show, as always, and enlightening us and, and certainly enlightening me. I really appreciate it. That was my pleasure. I always enjoyed being on here with you. Cool. Thanks so much. <laughs> Well, I hope you found these conversations intriguing like I did. Be sure and check out our YouTube page for the video versions plus extra special content. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TalkAboutGaySex. That's at TalkAboutGaySex or on our Facebook page at TalkAboutGaySex. But for now, continue having hot gay sex.